Hello and welcome back to a new edition of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. I am your host, TJ McBride of Mile High Sports. You can find all of my work over there at milehighsports.com, as well as over on my Twitter page at TJ McBride NBA. This is going to be a podcast where we kind of double up because I did not get a chance to record a podcast after the Nuggets beat the Spurs. So... Instead of trying to rush a podcast out, you know, late today and it's it's time where people just wouldn't have had a chance to listen to it, I decided to kind of just combine them together because Denver was on a back-to-back. Why not have back-to-back conversations about the Nuggets win over the Spurs and then the Nuggets win over the Suns? In addition to talking about everything that happened within those two games, I'm also going to get into some Twitter questions and then kind of talk about just how the 2018 year has gone for the Nuggets. Um, I will be doing a much bigger podcast on just 2018 as a whole and kind of talk about my takeaways from the Nuggets first 33 games of the year but before we do all of that let me give you one quick word first of all from the regulators production group who created the beats that you hear on the intro and outro of this podcast also Terrapin Care Station is the sponsor of this show they are our lead sponsor and they are the ones that we appreciate the most as in um, just a company who has been supporting the show really since its, in- since its inception this season when I really started to ramp it back up again. So before I dive into everything from both of these wins and answer some questions, here's a quick word from Terrapin Care Station. Before we get into the rest of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast, let me give you one quick word from our sponsors over at Terrapin Care Station. Since 2010, Terrapin Care Station has been providing patients and customers with high-quality cannabis products at everyday low prices. Serving the communities of Denver, Boulder, and Aurora, they offer their own flour and concentrates, as well as all the brands you love at prices that you just won't believe. They pride themselves in having the most knowledgeable and professional staff in the industry, and their team will work with you one-on-one to help you find the products that are are perfect for you. Their dispensaries are unassuming, safe, and discreet with ample parking at every location for a seamless retail experience. For up-to-date menus and promotions, head over to www.terrapincarestation.com or just come visit one of their five convenient Colorado locations today. Again, that is terrapincarestation.com, T-E-R-R-A-P-I-N, carestation.com. crazy couple days it has been for the Denver Nuggets. So first of all, let's just start in chronological order and go back to when the Nuggets beat the Spurs 102-99 and was what in what was one of the strangest games I have been, I have ever witnessed in my life. Uh, the Nuggets were already without six players going into this game as they have been for the, the majority of the month of December. Um, Jared Vanderbilt, Isaiah Thomas, Michael Porter Jr., um, Will Barton, Paul Millsap, and Gary Harris were all out of this game. And then in addition to that, by the time the game had ended, Malik Beasley had left the game with an ankle injury. Nikola Jokic had fouled out of the game. Torrey Craig had fouled out of the game. And suddenly the Nuggets were only playing with, um, I believe it was eight active players with one of them, which was Jamal Murray, who was playing through an ankle injury that he sustained during this game. So just an absolutely insanely weird ending to this game. And in order to come away with the win, the Nuggets needed at least just one offensive possession at the end of the game. And Michael Malone 
Malone elected to give that ball to Monte Morris and let him go create for the Nuggets when they needed it most. And Monte Morris repaid Michael Malone's trust by going in, drawing a foul, and hitting two big free throws. Um, I wrote a piece on Mile High Sports that is up on the website right now about how Monte Morris has stepped up whenever the Nuggets has needed him to do so. Definitely go check that out for a little bit more information on that uh, that situation in and of itself. Um, another big takeaway from this game was Jamal Murray was just unconscious once again. This dude is just such a lethal scorer, and it's getting to the point now that if Jamal Murray gets hot, people just need to get out of his way and let him do what he does. And that was... was a big part of what happened in uh, when the Nuggets played San Antonio in Denver. Uh, Jamal ended that game shooting 13 of 27 from the field for 31 points, had six rebounds, three assists, and hit four of his seven three-pointers. He was hitting all kinds of shots, flying around the floor, and without his production, there's just no way that the Nuggets were able to come away with a win, a big win over the Spurs in the Pepsi Center. So uh, it was good to see Jamal Murray, who has been struggling to shoot from the field this year, finally get hot and see see some shots go through the, the rim for him and get some confidence back that he can still be the lethal scorer that everybody knows he can be. Nikola Jokic also flirted with the triple-double in this game as he continues to play well as of late. He had 21 points... um, he had 21 points, 9 rebounds, and 9 assists in 36 minutes. Shot 10 of 14 of the field, which is another great realization recently, is that Nikola Jokic is finally getting back to the hyper-efficient self that he has been for the majority of his career. He had some inefficient nights to start the year, and those have seemingly become a thing of the past. So again, Nikola Jokic was just dominant as he has been so much this season, and he continues to put up MVP caliber impacts on these games that he is playing in. Uh, beyond uh, Jamal and Nicola in that game, the next best player had to be Malik Beasley, who put together 21 points on 7 of 11 shooting to go with 3 rebounds and an assist, hit 2 of his 3 threes, was getting to the rim, was getting to the free throw line, was throwing down hammer dunks, was throwing down alley-oops, was hitting threes. As he has been all year, it I mean, Malik just continued to look ultra-confident against the Spurs, and without his performance, there's just no way the Nuggets come away with a win. And honestly, when he turned his ankle and left the game in the fourth quarter, I got very nervous that that might end up being a big change point for the Nuggets that ended up leading them into their loss. But nonetheless, the Nuggets held on to win this game by just, you know, a very narrow margin of three points. But because of Malik Beasley's 21-point night, the Nuggets were able to win this game. And the last thing I wanted to hit on from this game, just very briefly, I'm trying to speed through the Spurs game, was the fact that Trey Lyles is just continually playing atrocious basketball. I mean, 1 of 10 from the field in 17 minutes, 0 of 3 from 3, only 3 points, had 3 turnovers, and but did have 7 rebounds and 2 assists. We're at the point now where Trey Lyles is almost playing himself out of the Nuggets rotation. He just is not able to produce in the ways that the Nuggets needed, and with Paul Millsap now returning, which he did return for the Phoenix Suns game, Lyles only logged seven minutes, and that's because there's just not going to be room for him in this rotation once everybody finally gets back to being fully healthy once again. Um, It just is what it is. Trey Lyles is the odd man out right now, and it's because he's shooting under 30% from the field in December and under 20% from three in December. The Nuggets just need more from him, and they've needed more from him, and without him actually stepping up, it's just hard to give him more minutes than the Nuggets have already given him.
All right, that was my speed round of getting through the Nuggets Spurs game real quick. Um, that was again a 102 to 99 victory for the Nuggets. They then followed that up by going to Phoenix the next night on a back to back, and they ended up beating the Suns 122 to 118. This game got way closer than it should have been. The Nuggets were up by 25 points at one point, and then the Suns, especially in that second quarter behind DeAndre Ayton, who had I believe 24 points in the second quarter alone. They just slowly but surely whittled away at the Nuggets lead and eventually got it to a point where it was a one possession game. Um, The Nuggets did manage to pull out the win, but there was a lot of bad things that happened on that route. But let's start with some good things first and foremost. Uh, Paul Millsap returned. He he returned a week earlier than the earliest expectations for his injury. He was on a four to six week timeline and he returned 22 days after, which is three weeks in one one day. That is very good for the Nuggets who desperately need reinforcements and it was good to see him get out there and get some minutes. He was never going to have a big time game. Michael Malone didn't want to force him into that, but to go get 14 quick minutes in a road game, be 3-7 from the field, add 6 points and assist and a block and have a you know outscore the opponents by 7 points when you're on the floor. It's a good game. It was just great to have Paul Millsap back and you could tell that when he was on the floor, the defense was just better than it was. So, good to have Paul Millsap back. It's going to be very nice when all of these injured players are coming back when Gary Harris gets back, Will Barton gets back, but this was the first step. Paul Millsap is back in the hunt with the Nuggets, and it's great to see him back around. The next big thing, which has to be talked about at length, was Jamal Murray's just unconscious shooting night. We talked about earlier how he broke out of his shooting slump against the Spurs, but he didn't just continue breaking out of his slump. He completely eviscerated the Suns single-handedly. Jamal Murray finished the night with 46 points on 16 of 24 shooting and 9 of 11 from the three-point line to go with 6 rebounds and 8 assists. That's a 46-6-8 line for Jamal Murray, and he had a career-high 9 made threes in this game. This uh, he became the first player since Carmelo Anthony continually shows that his ceiling is so much higher than I personally realize. I mean, he has been absolutely spectacular. I think what was most notable about his performance, too, is that nothing really felt forced. Don't get me wrong, Jamal Murray took some shots that may be considered ill-advised for a lot of other players, but he has the potential to make them. The pull-up threes in transition from the wing, his ability to hit these up-and-under, like, you know, underhanded shots or floaters in the paint, his ability to hit turning floaters on the, or turning jump shots on the baseline. He just has such an offensive arsenal at his disposal that that he really just kind of unleashed all his all of his moves on the Suns tonight and Again, 46-6-8 and eight on 24 shots is just an absolutely absurd night. The Nuggets rode Jamal Murray all the way through this game, and without him, there's no chance to come away with a win. And even more incredible is that Jamal Murray said after the game that his ankle was really hurting him, and that he is playing through a lot of pain, but even though he's dealing with that pain, he managed to play a game-high 39 minutes in this, in this game, and had 46 points, got up 24 shots, 11 threes, got to the foul line six times, and was really the Nuggets' best player on the floor, and it just wasn't close. Nikola Jokic is great, and we'll talk about him in a second, but nobody could touch the impact and the efficiency that Jamal Murray was 
able to put up in this game. He was, again, I can't stop saying it, spectacular in so many ways. And even though he was offensively being, you know, just unstoppable, that didn't take away from his effort defensively. He may have not been great defensively, but he helped. I mean, he was a big reason DeAnthony Melton was 2 of 10 from the field and was and was just, you know, really struggling in a lot of ways as an offensive player. So hats off to Jamal Murray for playing through injuries as he always does and finding ways to produce when the Nuggets need it most. Um, as continually keeps happening, Nikola Jokic flirted with his third triple-double of the year again. Um, he hasn't caught that third triple-double of the year, but there's been about six or seven games where he's been right there on the cusp. Um, against the Suns, Jokic finished with 23 points on 8 of 11 shooting. Again, that efficiency is coming back in a big way. Um, he was 7 of 8 from the foul line, 8 rebounds, 9 assists, 3 steals, and a block. Was just great in this game, and while the overall composite number numbers are nice. I think my biggest takeaway from Nikola Jokic in this game had everything to do with the last two minutes. Yes, Jamal Murray was the best player on the floor. Yes, Jamal Murray was the one who carried them to this win. But without Nikola Jokic taking control of the offense at the end of the game when the Nuggets had to keep pace with the Suns, the Nuggets do not come away with this win. The, the Nuggets relied on their best player to go get them points when they needed it most, and he delivered it. He was absolutely great in that last two minutes, and he really did take control of that game. He played like an all-star, like an MVP candidate, like the Nuggets' best player. And to see Nikola Jokic take control and take responsibility for the Nuggets in those moments, it's absolutely great. And the Nuggets need more and more of that from Nikola as he continues to grow, not just as a player, but as a leader and things along that line. Um, Malik Beasley had an incredible first half. He had a career-high five made threes in the first half of this game. And you could just tell there is so much confidence in Malik Beasley's shot right now. He his first three of the night was a dead sprint from the left corner to the top of the key, where he stopped on a dime, popped up and hit a three, which just it just looks so effortless for him. He is growing before our eyes. He's becoming such a more impactful player, and he defended his ass off tonight. He didn't do anything really in the second half, um, but those 15 points were monumental in this game, and the Nuggets needed every last one of them to be able to come away with a win. Um, the one bad thing, though, and this is bad, like the Nuggets cannot continue to do this, or they are going to find themselves losing to teams they are better than. The Nuggets cannot close out quarters right now. The first quarter they closed out well just because they were just seeing, they were just obliterating the Suns, but to close the second quarter, the Suns went on a 21 to 10 run. To close the third quarter, the Suns went on a 16 to 5 run. To close the fourth quarter, the Suns went on a 20 to 11 run. The Nuggets cannot get outscored by that much. That's something like 20 points at the end of three quarters if they um, they just can't get outscored like that if they want to keep Keep winning. Denver, I mean, to state it plainly, was lucky to come away with this win against the, the Suns tonight. They did not deserve to win this game, probably. They did not play themselves into winning this game. It took just an absolutely spectacular night from Jamal Murray and some random luck for the Nuggets to be able to come away with their 23rd victory of the year. But as they keep doing all year, nonetheless, they still found a way to come away with a big win. 
I mean, no matter what all of these ups and downs the Nuggets keep dealing with, no matter how many injuries, no matter how many new starting lineups they run through, they keep finding ways to come away with big victories, and that happened again tonight with the Suns. The Nuggets are a half game up on the Golden State Warriors for the first seed in the West. They're at the point now where they have held the, the first seed in the Western Conference longer than any other team this season. They have um, arguably, they have, I believe, the best home record and the second best road record record in the Western Conference and they continually find ways to improve defensively and offensively and when they when things aren't working they don't give up the resiliency within this Nuggets team it's different it's changed the way that the people have to analyze this team because they are never out of any game and they are it's just because they have such a pure level of talent I mean they hit 18 threes tonight and there could have been a lot more that fell they're just such a they are such a spectacularly talented team that they are never out of games, and now that they realize that, they've been able to find ways to get wins in ways that we did not originally anticipate them doing. Time for my favorite segment of this podcast, and that is answering the questions of listeners who send them in, whether it's through Twitter or Instagram or whatever medium it is. Um, let's just dive into it. A seal. I'm sorry if I said your name wrong. Sal, something along those lines. Um, asked, what are some things that caused the Nuggets to play with complacency and allow the Suns to come back late in the game? Was it fatigue, being depleted, turnovers, or a combo? I think, it was the, first of all, it is a combo. It's never just one singular thing. I think being on a back-to-back, I think the fact that the New Year's, that New Year's Eve and New Year's Day is slowly creeping up. I think the fact that guys are just exhausted from playing without, with so many guys out and having to pick up so much slack. I think the turnovers were absolutely detrimental tonight. And I think the Nuggets just mentally would let go at different points in this game. They would go up by 25, and then all of a sudden that lead would go down to 15. They would go up by 22, and then it was down to 12. Then they go up by 18, then it was down to 10. They just never really had a full grasp on this game at any point outside of that first quarter. And like I talked about earlier, if you end up closing out quarters and getting beaten 21 to 10 to close the second and 16 to 5 to close the third and 20 to 11 to end the fourth, you're going to end up letting a team that is worse than you back into the game unnecessarily. And that's what I saw tonight. I think it was a mixture of things. And plus, Malik Beasley was playing banged up. Um, Jamal Murray was playing banged up. Torrey Craig got launched into the stanchion tonight and was playing banged up. The Nuggets were without a lot of bodies. Their rotation was different. There was just a lot of randomness in this game that doesn't currently or doesn't usually exist. Um, but at the same time, the Nuggets just look like they need a rest. And they'll have two days off now coming up before they take on the Knicks on New Year's Day in Denver. So hopefully they'll be able to come back with a lot more of a concerted effort on the first of the year. Uh, Grant on Twitter asked, with Millsap returning, do you think that Lyles will fall out of the rotation? I don't think he'll completely fall out of the rotation, at least not until one of or both of Gary Harris and Will Barton return to this lineup. But once the Nuggets get both of them back and all of the starters are back healthy, I do not see a role for Trey Lyles in this rotation anymore. He just hasn't been a good enough player to merit giving more and more minutes to or trying to find a role for him at this point. You just got to trust that Malik Beasley and Wancho Hernan Gomez are going to continue playing well for you because they have. They've proven it. They've shown this. Trey Lyles is not. It just is what it is. So 
Unfortunately, as someone who was really rooting for Trey all offseason for the majority of the year, I just do not see him in this rotation anymore. He is struggling too much. He doesn't bring anything that the Nuggets desperately need. He hasn't been a great defender. He's not hitting his shots. He hasn't been a great rebounder. And when you can't do all those things, there's just a very, very small role that you could ever hope to play because you're just not bringing enough to the table. I mean, Lyles has the skill set that if his shot starts to fall and he buys in defensively, he could be plenty good enough to be a weapon off the bench. But just as of right now, he just isn't there. Um, at Stan Jokic asked, can the Nuggets keep this up and finish the season with home court advantage? What obstacles stand in their way? The only obstacle standing in the Nuggets way is themselves. They absolutely have the talent, not just to be a home court team, but they have the talent to be potentially a top two or three seed in the Western Conference. And if the Warriors and the Rockets and the Jazz and the Thunder just kind of keep staying just right below them, it's not crazy to think that the Nuggets could find a way, and this is a very small percentage chance, but it's not a 0% chance that the Nuggets could even grab the one seed in the Western Conference. The Warriors don't care about the regular season. Houston has a lot of glaring issues. Oklahoma City is one injury away from everything potentially collapsing on them. So it's not crazy to think that the Nuggets could potentially go beyond home court and actually start climbing up into that third seed or second seed instead. So as long as the Nuggets continue play their own style of basketball and continue fighting game in and game out and taking every game seriously, there is no reason that the Nuggets do not get home court advantage in the playoffs. They are plenty talented enough. The Western Conference is open enough for them to be able to do so, and they have the schedule ahead of them that will allow them to do so. So it's going to be very interesting to see if they can do so, but they have everything in their favor to allow them to be a home court advantage, a top four seed in the Western Conference. Uh, Finesse83 asked, what was the contract that Nick Young signed? And I'm happy someone asked this question because I want to get into it a little bit more. Um, I've written a little bit on it, but I haven't really talked about it on the podcast at all yet. Um, Nick Young was signed using what is called an injury hardship relief exception. What that essentially does is it grants an additional roster spot for the Nuggets to utilize while they have at least four or more players out for at least three or more games. So the Nuggets had six players out up until Paul Millsap returned. So now if one more player returns from injury and is able to play, I believe from how I understand the rule, Nick Young will have to then be waived and he will no longer be on the Nuggets roster. The only way that Nick Young will stay on the Nuggets roster full time is if they open up a roster spot for him by either making a trade or cutting somebody like Tyler Lydon, who just isn't getting any minutes and the Nuggets have already declined their option for next year. So, so Nick yet so I know it's a weird thing for Nick Young. It's not a typical contract, but that's essentially how it works. Um, last question. B Baller120 on Twitter asked, comparing Jokic to Jamal to Carmelo, do you think their ceilings are higher? Nikola Jokic, it's it's not even a question. Nikola Jokic is already a better player than Carmelo Anthony potentially ever was. That's how good Nikola Jokic is right now. I don't think Melo was ever a top 10 player in the NBA, and Nikola Jokic is already a top 10 player in the NBA, and it's only his third year in, or fourth year in the league. When it comes to Jamal Murray, the, I mean, it, you, we've got to wait and see because they... 
while they're not similar, they are score-first mentality volume shooters. They are similar in that way, but Melo never had the three-point line to his game in the way that Jamal does, and Jamal's been a very good player going to the rim the majority of his career as well. So while I think Jamal, if everything goes right, will probably end up having a better career than Carmelo Anthony, the jury is still out on that. That is it. That is 2018 for the Nuggets. We are done with the year. The next time we talk, or I'm sorry, two times from now when we talk, it will be 2019, and it will be after the Nuggets take on the New York Knicks inside the Pepsi Center on the first of the year. But for 2018, the Nuggets have gone 23-11. and 11. They are still the first seed in the Western Conference, and they are just rolling ahead regardless of any circumstances that surround them that may seem like they would impede on their ability to win games. But Thank you so much for following along with this Nuggets team for the 2018 year with me and listening and sharing this podcast and telling your friends about it and all of those things. I've had so much fun doing so. Please go subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. This is the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. You can follow the the, the podcast Twitter handle at Nuggets underscore daily. Um, if you go into iTunes, leave a comment, leave a review. Um, leave a rating. Ratings are very helpful. If you unsubscribe and resubscribe, it counts as a new subscriber. So do that six times if you're bored or something like that. But all I know is that I wouldn't be here without the listeners and the readers. So thank you guys very much. Keep it locked to Mile High Sports for the remainder of the season where we will have great content coming out seemingly every single day. But until then, um, I will be talking to you guys very soon. And I hope you have a very good New Year's Eve if you, if, if you don't hear me until then. Have a good one and we'll talk to you guys later.